Welcome to the Magnified Podcast, Detecting the Lies, where our mission is to bring awareness to the battle in which you find yourself in every day. What is this battle? It is the battle for your soul. And more than that, the battle is over how and where you use your energy. If the enemy can take over your mind and heart and what affects your actions, he has won the battle. So buckle up and get ready to detect the lies. Hello friends, welcome to episode 4 of Detecting the Lies. I am so grateful you are here today and I hope you are all pumped up and excited to dig into the word of truth. But before we jump in, make sure to follow this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Magnified4016. And if you liked today's episode, make sure to give us a review and tell us your favorite part of today's episode. Or maybe tell us something that you took away or a favorite Bible verse, something of the sort, and let us know what you thought of today's episode. All right, my dear friends, without further ado, here's episode four entitled, He Weighs Our Deeds. Enjoy! Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to episode four of the Magnify podcast. I hope you all are excited and pumped up and to jump into today's episode. And I know I'm excited to see the Lord show up. But before we jump in, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father God, I just want to thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you that you are here, that you are moving, that you are good. Lord, I pray for the other person on the other side of this who's listening tonight. I pray that you would touch their hearts in ways that I can't even imagine, Lord. I pray that you would encourage them, lift them up, and comfort them, and give them the strength to live out this truth that we are about to learn tonight. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, friends. Tonight, we are jumping into the lie, He weighs our deeds. I'm going to say it again. He weighs our deeds. And what I mean by this is that sometimes we can get this image of God in our heads, right? Of this big, like, old dude. (laughs) That sounds really bad. This old guy, like, up in the sky, who's looking down on us and being like, oh, well, she didn't pray today. Oh, oops, that was a little lie there. Oops, she cheated on that again. Oh, she said a bad word. Oops, oh, she did this. And he's just, like, marking each little thing off. I know for myself, I can fall into this thinking all of the time. And I'm sure that you can too. And the thing is, when we start thinking this way, we start believing that God is weighing each and every one of our deeds. And he's got like a scale saying like, oh, well, the good outweighed the bad today. So today she was a good person. Or the next day, if the bad outweighs the good, then he's going to say, oh, well, today she was a bad person. And I believe that the enemy comes after our minds and hearts in this way and tells us that we were a failure today because we didn't pray as much as we should have. Or we're a failure today because we didn't love that person as well as we needed to. Does anybody else relate to that? Like, please leave a comment somewhere on our Instagram page or something. Um, just tell me if, if you feel that, if you struggle with that, because I know I struggle with this, like, every single day of my life. (laughs) So I'm excited to get into this tonight and to discover the truth. And so the lie that we're looking at tonight is that he weighs our deeds. And here's the truth that we are going to combat this lie with. The truth is God's love never changes. Think about that. God's love never changes. God's love does not change depending on how you act in a day. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just, like, terrific news? (laughs) Like, every time I, like, take time to think about that, I'm like, that is wonderful. Like, that is just simply wonderful. And I think that just relates back to the character of God, that he's so good. Like, he's just so good to us that we can reject him all day long, and yet his love for us is never going to change. So to get us started about thinking about God's love tonight, I want to read from Romans 8, 
and starting with verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's amazing, all. That is amazing. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God like angels or demons, height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, neither life nor death, is going to separate us from Christ. He's always going to love us. The next verse that I want to look at um, concerning God's love is 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to start with verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. I love this verse so much. I come back to this verse a lot. Just because it's so encouraging. Just those first few uh, sentences there. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. I feel like this is a good verse to come back to when we feel God doesn't love us or that God can't hear us or that we're not really the children of God, that God doesn't really love us. This is a great verse to come back to and say, no, I am a child of God. It says right here, that is what we are. (laughs) You can't deny that. And even the first part there, what great love the Father has lavished on us. When I think of the word lavish, I just think of like this unconditional love that just keeps pouring out over and over again. And we're just overwhelmed by it and kind of like this idea of like a bucket of water like pouring over somebody that's what i kind of envision as this lavishing of this love just pouring out over somebody and that's what god does for us he pours this unconditional love over us so those are just a few verses to keep in the back of your mind as we move more into this podcast but i just kind of wanted to set up the foundation of that god's love is unending and unfailing and there's nothing that we could ever do to make him love us less so thinking about this lie he weighs our deeds this is again i feel an umbrella lie and there's lots of little lies that fall under this umbrella as i've been doing these podcasts i think it's really interesting i know this is only really the second lie that i've dug into but it seems that under this big overlapping line there's all these little beliefs and all these little lies that satan also likes to make us believe or these little beliefs that take away from the character of god that take away from having the fulfilling life that god designed us to have and desires for us to have so tonight we have three little lies that fall under this umbrella of he weighs our deeds and that first lie or the first, I guess I should really say, goal of the enemy, is for us to never be at rest. If we are constantly thinking that God is weighing our deeds, we can never fully be at rest, especially in the presence of God. We're always going to feel guilty, condemnation, as if we need to justify ourselves, as if we will never be forgiven, never enough, never worthy. And so I believe that Satan throws the lie at us, he weighs our deeds, so that his goal is for us to never be at rest. And so to combat this little lie, to never be at rest, I want to look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It says this, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in verse 28 there, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God desires for us to find rest in him. He doesn't want us to always be stressed out, overwhelmed, striving, always chasing after something. He wants us to find satisfaction in him alone. And I know for me, this this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. And I think something that I struggled with for the longest time is as this verse goes on to say it says for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that verse 30 always kind of stumped me because sometimes god doesn't call us to easy things sometimes he calls us to hard things and so when i would be going through the process of following god's plan for my life or feeling like there was something god was calling me to do my fleshly side Alyssa, right not the spirit side of Alyssa, the flesh side would always be grumbling and complaining and just oh this is hard i don't want to do this why is there always something to do and just this spiral of all of these negative thoughts and complaints and then i had a, an experience lately that kind of shifted my perspective a little bit and i just want to share this really quick with you last weekend there was something that had come up and i was invited to go to this one thing and I was trying to decide if I should do it or not. And the, the one main reason why I wasn't sure is because it was on a Monday morning and I knew that I needed to practice my theater, I needed to do schoolwork, you know, all the busyness of life that just needed to happen on a Monday morning. And before plans kind of changed a little bit, I also thought it was kind of far away. And I knew that um, I don't have my driver's license yet, so I knew I was going to have to have my mom take me or I was going to have to get a ride with somebody else so there was like all these little details where i was like this isn't gonna work out like there's just no way and like i said this was scheduled for a monday morning and i had known about it probably about two weeks and that sunday i had been praying about it first of all let me just say that i had been praying about it and nothing was quite a quite coming to resolution like i had a feeling i should go but it was one of those things where it's like should i really or is that just me but i kept kept praying about it and Sunday rolls around and I keep thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I just need to go to it. But the thing is, is I didn't act upon it until Sunday night. And it was like late Sunday night. It wasn't like, you know, 7, 7 p.m. It was like, you know, 11 p.m. <laughs> at night. And so I told my mom I wanted to go and all these things. And guys, the crazy thing is, is that I really felt like God wanted me to go. And there was something that had been on my heart about this certain situation. And the point that I want to stress is that if God is putting something on your heart, he's going to make sure and he's going to enable you to be able to do it. And he did that exact same for me. He got me to the place that I needed to go Monday morning. He even made a way for me for the time to change without me even realizing it. The time changed on the thing because there's actually two times for the certain event that was going on and I could go to the earlier event. And my dad was able to take me. He made sure that I wasn't alone, that I had my sister there with me. And all these little things that I was worried about, he made it work out perfectly, absolutely perfectly. And so as I said, that's what I want to stress is that the yoke is easy because God's already got all the details figured out. And as I experienced that, uh, this not this past Monday, but the Monday before, it's like that verse finally made sense. Because once I stepped into the path that God was calling me to, 
it was easy. It was so easy. All I had to do was follow him and he led me every step of the way. So I just want to encourage you here for a moment that if there is something that you know God is calling you to do, step out into that. Step into the path that God's calling you to do because the yoke will be easy and Jesus is going to be there with you, leading you one step at a time. All right, so the second little belief, the second goal of the enemy when we believe that God weighs our deeds is this to believe we are good enough on our own and that we don't need a savior. So again, when we believe he weighs our deeds, the enemy's goal is to get us to believe that we are good enough on our own and that we don't need a savior. So to combat this lie of we don't need a savior or that we are good enough on our own is Romans 3, 23 through 26. And I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So I want to take a minute here to look at this, because as I was reading this tonight and preparing for this podcast, I discovered this, and that's starting in verse 25. It says, he, meaning Jesus, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand and unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So I thought it was interesting because this verse, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, is a very popular verse, just as I believe it should be. Because it's true, we all are sinners, right? If that's the first takeaway we're going to take away from this verse tonight, is that we're all sinners. We all mess up. And we all are in need of a savior. But here's something else that I think is really interesting that comes after this verse that I don't hear talked about much is it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did on the cross, not about what we did on the cross. It didn't say because we decided to demonstrate our like our love on the cross. It didn't say because we were in atonement. It didn't say because we needed to demonstrate our own righteousness. It's all about Jesus. Salvation is all about Jesus and removing our sins We have nothing to do with the process of him removing our sin, except to have faith in him to forgive us. And I think this is really important when remembering that we can never be good enough on our own. If we believe that he weighs our deeds, we are forgetting that it's through his work on the cross that we are forgiven and set free and made enough. So as I stated earlier, I struggle with this on a day-to-day basis, right? Of just having this vision of God marking off every little thing that I'm doing wrong. And I think that is mostly because I'm a perfectionist. I am. I'm a perfectionist at heart. I always strive for quality in every single thing, really. <laughs> um, especially my character. I never want there to be a flaw in my character. And obviously this is never going to happen. There will always be something that I need to work on. And that is because, like we've been saying, we are all sinners. We all struggle. We all sin. We all mess up. And we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. And that is why we are in need of a savior. But something that I want to point out and that I want you to grasp is a lesson that God has been teaching me. And that is perfectionism is a cover-up of pride. Perfectionism 
is a cover-up of pride. And when I realized this, guys, it shook my world. I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Because part of being a perfectionist is that I always felt like one kind of like that idea that the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Like, I'm in charge of making sure all the people in the world become Christians. I need to make sure that my family members have a great day today. If I don't pray for someone, then God isn't going to move. Those kind of thoughts are thoughts that I used to struggle with a lot before I realized this. Here's something else, though, that perfectionism was making me think as well. And that was, again, going with that same idea of pride, is that my thinking of I need to be perfect, I need to always get it right, is a cover-up of pride of not needing a savior. Gosh, that just that just hit me right to the heart because I don't want a savior. As a perfectionist, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to sin. And in saying that, I am saying I don't want a savior. I don't want someone to save me. And the thing is, even if I could be perfect, even if there was a certain level of perfectionism that I could achieve, underneath it all, there would be pride. Because another thing that plays in perfectionist is this idea of that I can be better than everybody else. And that's really where my judgment side plays in as well. That's something else that I greatly struggle with. It's just this idea of perfectionist and being able to brag and say, well, you're not good enough. I'm better than you because look at what I did because I'm perfect. And it's this whole, as you can see, this whole circulatory argument of just pride being like, oh, look how good I am. I don't need a savior. Look how, just look how great I am. And that's pride. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a perfectionist out there, maybe start questioning your motives. Start thinking about why, one, you're thinking about life a certain way, and two, is your perfectionism glorifying God? And I am by no means, don't get me wrong, saying that perfectionists are wrong, because they're not. They're created in the image of God, just like everybody else. And as my mom has told me, God doesn't make mistakes. He made you a perfectionist for a reason. The thing is, you just have to figure out what God has created it for. So I want to encourage you, if you are someone who struggles with these same kind of thoughts, to take captive of them, make them obedient to Christ, and see how you can better glorify God with those thoughts in the way that you see the world around you. And before I close this little segment of believing that we don't need a savior, I want to read 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, and it says this, But he said to me, this is Jesus speaking, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is Paul talking. And he's, just before this, he's talked about how God has put a thorn in his flesh so that he can't boast in of himself. And this was God's response to him when he said, you know, why won't you take this thorn away? Why won't you get rid of it? And this is Jesus slash, you know, God talking. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So God is saying the very thing that makes you weak is the very thing that makes me strong. Because Guys, if we could save ourselves, why would Jesus need to be here? Why would we need a God? Why would we need a Savior when we could just save ourselves? And he's telling Paul, my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough. You don't need anything else to make you satisfied. You don't need anything else to make you stronger. You have all that you need in me. And I think that's really powerful. 
And then as Paul goes on to say, he says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, persecutions, difficulties. He delights in them because it gives him a chance to glorify God in his body. It gives Christ a chance to shine through him in his weaknesses. As it goes on to say, For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it is in our weakness, and it's only in our weakness, that Christ can really work through us. So in some ways, I think we should take joy and delight in our weaknesses, just as Paul is saying, because it gives Christ a chance to work through us and to show up in ways that we could never show up ourselves. All right, moving on to the last little lie here, the last belief, the last goal of the enemy, and that is when we believe he weighs our deeds, the enemy's goal, Satan's goal, is to humanize God's love, to shrink down God in our minds and to twist the image of who God is. So let me read that one more time. The enemy's goal when we believe he weighs our deeds is to humanize God's love, to shrink God down in our minds, and to twist the image of who God is. So I'm going to start with that first one, to humanize God's love. And I don't know if you have heard this before, But in the Greek, there are four different types of love. And there is one specific love that goes with the character of God. And that is agape love. And I want to take a moment to read what Enduring Word Commentary describes this love to be. Because I think it is beautiful. And I think it is something that we need to honestly be reminded of every single day. It goes like this. Agape is the fourth word for love. It described a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Agape love gives and loves because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It is not love in order to to receive. Y'all, I don't know about you, but this description in of itself makes God just seem huge to me. And also just how small and little-minded I am and how sinful I am because when it says it loves to not receive anything back when it's even been rejected, it doesn't need a repayment. It reminds me of just how sinful I am and how selfish I am. Because when I love somebody, I do look for that return of love. I do look for that same friendship to come back. And I think that's why God encourages us to love our enemies, to love those who are different than us. Because when we do that, we are showing the very kind of agape love that God has shown to us. And I think this goes perfectly. I know like when I'm recording this, it's going to be Easter Sunday. I know this is going up after Easter Sunday, but it goes perfectly with the cross because he was rejected by us. Every time we sin, we reject him. And yet his love never changes toward us. He always runs after us and he's never going to let go of us. And that is agape love. That is the kind of love our heavenly father shows us. And it's so beautiful. And I hope that this can just give you a small glimpse of just how amazing God's love is. All right, the second part of that last goal of the enemy is to shrink God down in our minds. And I once heard this phrase by Louis Giglio, actually, and he kind of gave this idea of that sin has a way of shrinking God down in our minds. And I thought this was so true, and it's something that I think about quite often. It's because in our human minds, we just put God in a box. We just put him 
in a little part of our brain or in a little shelf in our heart or we save him for just certain times of the day or we save him for just certain times of the week we shrink god down our minds we forget what he is capable of and i think that one of the reasons that this is satan's goal is because satan himself was once an angel. He is a fallen angel, so he once lived in the presence of God. He was an angel. He lived in the courts of heaven. And I think in him having lived in the presence of God, he knows how amazing it is. He knows the splendor and the majesty of it. And I think he wants to take that away from us, to take that experience of living in the goodness of God. Because in the little bits that I have experienced here on earth, and I haven't even lived that long, <laughs> and my little 17 years of living, and the little snippets that I have gotten of God's great love, it is one that you never want to leave. It is a presence that you want to stay forever. And I think if Satan and, you know, all of his demons working together, if they can keep us from experiencing this love and being narrow-minded in who God can be, then he's ultimately going to keep us away from the presence of God. And the last thought, the last little belief that goes into the third goal of the enemy here, Satan wants to keep us from having the right idea of who God is. And again, this is kind of that same idea of shrinking God down in our minds but also in the way that sin distorts things, right? I mean, when sin entered the world, everything changed. Everything changed. And so sin affects the way we see God, which is really terrible if you think about it. And to explain this a little further, I want us to look at our own lives and kind of think about this for a minute. How has sin distorted my way that I see God? And I think the first way, and I hear this from a lot of people, is that if they have not grown up in a good home with a good father, then this is the first way that their view of God is distorted. Because in scripture, we see that God wants us to call him Abba Father, our daddy. And if we as people have not grown up in a good home where we have seen a good father figure who is following after the Lord and who is trying to be everything God calls us to be, if he's not doing that, then that automatically distorts our vision of God. I think another way our vision distorts the image of God is in creation. Creation has been distorted of the goodness of God, right? I mean, you can see that in sickness in death, in thorns, in thistles, in scary animals, in poisonous animals. All of it has been distorted to think and maybe to make us believe that God is not a good creator, that he doesn't love us, that everything is random, that nothing is supposed to make sense. All these little things of distorting of who God is and twisting the image of who God is. So to close out today's podcast i want to take a moment to read a few verses and just kind of if you can you know if you're driving listening to this don't close your eyes but if you can take a moment to just close your eyes sit down and let these words of truth just flow over you and just reach the parts of your heart where you can't and only god can so i'm going to be reading from zephaniah chapter 3 starting in verse 14 and in this last chapter of Zephaniah, Zephaniah is talking of the restoration that is to come to Israel after God brings them back to Jerusalem, to their hometown. Because right now, either I can't, I 
don't remember i don't know if they're in exile yet or they're going to be in exile but zephaniah is writing about the celebration that is to come when they return to judah so i'm going to start in verse 14 and it says this sing daughter zion shout aloud israel be glad and rejoice with all your heart daughter jerusalem the lord has taken away your punishment he has turned back your enemy the lord the king of israel is with you never again will you fear any harm on that day they will say to to Jerusalem. Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, and his love he will rebuke you no longer. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And the reason I chose to read this here at the end is because I think this is such a good visual and a good reminder of everything we've just talked about. You know, it's talking about the goodness of God, about how great his love is, how he's fighting for us, how he's going to be the one that saves us. He's our mighty warrior and how he takes delight in us and just all the goodness of God. That is it for episode four of the Magnified Podcast. And before we close, I want to say one last prayer to close us out. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the time you bless us with. God, I thank you that you are here and that you are working, Father. God, once again, I pray for the person who has heard this today and is convicted, Lord. First of all, Lord, I thank you that they are convicted because it shows that you're alive and that you're working, Lord. I thank you that you have chosen to speak to them today, and I thank you that you have chosen to reveal your truth to them. Lord, I also pray that if they know that something needs to change after this podcast, God, I pray that you would make a way for it to change, that you would give them the strength to accomplish it, that it would not be themselves, but it might be the work of your Holy Spirit moving in their life, Lord, that you may do something in them that only you can do, that we can never do on our own. Lord, I pray for the person who might be thinking that they can do life on their own, that they don't need a Savior. Lord, that you would wake them up, Father, that they may open their eyes and see that you want to help them, that they can't keep living this life by themselves and in their own power and in their own strength, that they need you. They need your saving grace, Lord. And I pray for the person who might be struggling with this, the negative thoughts that swirl around each day, wondering if they are loved by you. God, I pray that in this moment, right now, Lord, that they will feel your love, that they may feel your love through this podcast, and that they may know Lord, that you just love them because that's just the description of your love. You don't desire anything back from us. You just love because you love. (laughs) And that's just that simple. And yet it's not simple at all, Lord. And so I just pray, Lord, that today you may talk and move the people that need to be moved. Lord, I pray you make them strong. You make them brave. You encourage them to keep fighting, Lord, to keep fighting against the enemy and his lies and to find the truth that can set them free, Lord that they may be truly free in you alone. Lord, I pray that you would just bless the rest of their day today, and I pray that you would guide them always, Lord. And it's in your great name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so grateful that you decided to listen to this. And if you're listening to this, hey, you made it all the way through episode four. (laughs) I will see you guys next time. And until then, keep fighting and keep your eyes on Jesus.